My name is Nathaniel. I'm the missions and missional community guy here at Storehouse. Uh, I'm very thankful for the opportunity to be able to uh, study God's word with y'all this morning. And today we're continuing our sermon series in the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit does. In the first week, uh, we talked about how the Holy Spirit regenerates. And then last week, Pastor Marco talked about how the Holy Spirit convicts. And today we're gonna talk about how the Holy Spirit intercedes for us in prayer. And so all those, uh, all those sermons are on the website. If you haven't listened to them, I'll encourage you to go check them out this week. But before we dive into our passage today and dive into intercession, I want to share with you why when I was younger, when I was a kid, why I decided not to be a Christian. So I grew up in the church. Uh, my parents are uh, amazing people, believers, love the Lord. I grew up going to church, doing Sunday school, uh, doing all the activities. I knew the stories, uh, did all the stuff. And when I was in, uh, it was upper elementary, I had a friend. And this friend and I were very close. Uh, We went to the same school and went to the same church. And so we hung out all the time. And my friend, his mom, had actually uh, been diagnosed with MS. And... At this point of our friendship, she was very, very far along. Uh, She had a very rare, um, fatal form of MS and very far along in the process. And so uh, she was bedridden uh, constantly in the hospital most of the time. Uh, And so being, you know, this guy's friend, I was in their home a lot. I was with their family a lot. Uh, I saw him at school and then at church, like my family was friends with his family. And so... Like we spent all this time together. And so I saw how much it hurt him for his mom to be suffering through this. And so in my young mind, I I thought, okay, well what, what do we do if we see suffering like this or we see something happening? Well, I mean, I know that, you know, I heard in Sunday school that God does heal people. And so I decided that I need to go to the hospital and pray for her that she'll be healed. And so uh, I asked my mom, hey, can we go visit? You know, and she was like, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we visited them all the time. So we went and I prayed for her, prayed for my friend's mom in the hospital, and I prayed that she would be healed. And so we left, and as we were leaving, I told my mom, I said, she's gonna be healed, you just watch. I know it, I know for a fact she's gonna be healed. Well, it wasn't too long after that that she ended up passing away from MS. And that happening really devastated me as a kid. I thought that I had done everything right. I had done everything that in my mind was what I was supposed to do. I had prayed and the answer I received just confused me. I didn't know where to go from there. I didn't know how to uh, take that. And so what happened was I kind of just shut myself off from it. I said, well, obviously like this doesn't work. God doesn't really care. He doesn't care about my friend. He doesn't care about their family. He doesn't care about me or he would have answered my prayer. And so it really, really affected me throughout the rest of uh, elementary, middle school, high school, to the point where I really wanted nothing to do with God. And it wasn't until later in my life when I was in university that I ended up becoming a Christian and submitting myself to him but that one singular event 
completely changed my whole experience. And I know I'm not alone in this. I have had enough conversations with people to know that there are many times when we pray, when we are submitting things to God and we are praying about it and the answer we receive just confuses us. We don't understand why God would let this happen or we don't understand why God wouldn't do a certain thing because in our minds we see it as something good. I mean, praying for my friend's mom to be healed is a good thing, right? And God does heal. And so for me, I was like, this is exactly what you do, God, so you should do it. And we all go through this where we're disappointed in the result of our prayers. And prayer itself is a wonderful thing. It really is. It's our direct communication with God. We're able to grieve with God. We're able to celebrate with him, talk with him, process things with him. Prayer is amazing. And we know that God hears our prayers and that he cares for us in it. In Jeremiah 29, it says, then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And so we know that God does hear our prayers, we know it's a good thing, and we know that he hears us. But let's be real, we all have had those times when we just didn't understand the response to our prayers. And it does result in mixed emotions. It results in confusion, uh, disappointment, anger, grief, sometimes doubt, fear. It results in all that. Insecurities, worthlessness, these are all emotions that come out because when we pray, we're looking at it from a earthly viewpoint, of earthly perspective. Today we're gonna be in Romans 8, 26 and 27. And what we're gonna see is the Holy Spirit doing two things. He's going to teach us about his intercession for us in prayer. And he's gonna teach us about what prayer is. And we're gonna see that there is a tie-in with this. And the one thing I wanna keep, that I want you to keep in mind is one, maybe that experience where you felt the same way that I did. Maybe you're going through it now even. So hold that in your mind, but then also remember this thing. Remember that the Holy Spirit's intercession will grant us assurance and intimacy with the Father, despite how our emotions, our perspective of the situation may be. So remember those two things, which seem to be at odds with each other, and we're gonna kinda work through it as we go through Romans 8. All right, so let's uh, open up our Bibles to Romans 8, 26 and 27. I'm gonna read it and pray for our time. It says in Romans 8, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Lord, thank you so much for today. Thank you for the opportunity to be able to just dive into your word. Thank you that you provide that with us so that we can understand you a little bit more, especially when it comes to something that is so difficult to understand, something that has real emotions attached with it. I ask that 
You help us all to be able to understand you more and to be able to grow closer to you in this time. Holy Spirit, do a work within our hearts. Put me aside so that your word, your spirit will come through. In your holy name, amen. All right, so we're gonna talk about intercession, we're gonna talk about prayer. Intercession, the very first thing is what is intercession? Intercession is simply acting on behalf of another. And so the resulting question from that is, okay, so we, we need intercession. Why do we need intercession? Why do we need the Holy Spirit to act on our behalf? And the truth is that the Father, God the Father, is the embodiment of holiness and justice, meaning he has no sin, and meaning when sin does enter into his presence, because he is completely just, sin is anything contrary to him, contrary to his law, so that has to be judged. And that is really us. We all sin. We have all fallen short of the glory of God. And so we have sin in us, and we do sin, and so we naturally deserve justice. And the Father is completely holy and completely just, and so that is something that has to happen. And so we need intercession, otherwise we will receive condemnation. And in scripture, we see intercession happening twice. First, we see Jesus interceding for us on the cross, where he dies on the cross, he pays the price for our sin, so that even though we are not holy as God is, when we enter into his presence through the cross and the intercession of Jesus Christ, we are able to be seen as holy and our sins are paid for. And so we are no longer condemned according to his complete holiness and justice. And that's amazing. And that's the first way we see intercession. Second way we see intercession is through the Holy Spirit. See, Jesus pays the cost for our sin and we are forever seen as holy in his sight. But we have the rest of our lives where we are having communion and, and, and we're having relationship with God. And sin is still present in our lives. Last week, we talked about how we could say no to sin. That is within our power because the Holy Spirit gives us that ability. That doesn't mean that uh, temptation and sin's presence leaves though. That's still around us. And we also know that we will continue to sin. No matter how much we try and we want to, we find ourselves going back and back to sin in different times of our life. Even though Jesus' intercession says that we are wiped clean in the sight of God, and that is so true, but we find ourselves in situations where we do continue to sin. And so the Holy Spirit interceding for us within our prayer life, he is allowing us to be able to pursue holiness and pursue an intimate relationship with God despite of the sin that is ongoing within our life. That's the second kind of intercession that we see that God does for us. We see it in, uh, chapter, in chapter eight here, in Romans eight twenty six when he says, within our weakness, the Holy Spirit intercedes. Our, the weakness he's talking about is our sinful nature. We all have that weakness. Until we are with God in heaven, we are gonna have this weakness. 
And so despite of our weakness, despite of the fact that we continuously go back to our sin, the Holy Spirit intercedes for us so that we can pray to the Father, so that we can have relationship with him. And so that's why we need intercession. It is vital for us to actually have a real relationship with God. Without it, it wouldn't be possible. And so how does intercession really affect us? Okay, that was kind of a big view on it, a little academic, but how does it actually affect us in the day-to-day? How does it affect our walk with God right now? Well, it, it affects us in two ways. One, it enables intimacy between us and the Father. There's a disconnect between the mind of man and the mind of God. We're not able to think the way that God thinks. We, we just can't understand it. I mean, he's the creator of everything. It is so much beyond our capability and our understanding. Isaiah 55, eight and nine say, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. For as, the, uh, for as heaven is higher than earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. It's very clear, we, we cannot understand the mind of God. We can't understand the way he's doing things or, or anything, and that's okay. Like, he created us to be like that. And so it's not, it's not something that you should feel bad about when you do bump up against things where you're like, I, I don't understand what's happening. I don't get this. That's okay. You can go to God with that because it's a very clear distinction where we do have a disconnect. Our way of thinking and our will, the way we th- want things to go, must be torn down so that we can understand what God and his will is, and what he's doing. Because as long as our mind is at the forefront, as as long as our way of thinking is what we focus on, we're never gonna be able to even have the space to begin to understand the things of God. And so what we see is through intercession, we are able to have an intimate relationship with him, and when we have intimate relationship with somebody, we begin to understand them more. And our way is always going to lead us far away from God. In 2 Corinthians 12, we see that Paul talks about having a thorn in his side. And there's a lot of uh, speculation about what that thorn is. It could be a physical ailment. It could be a sin issue, maybe a temptation that he struggled with. And and for me, that seems most likely. It's, It's a sin issue. And I take that purely from my own experience and the experience I've had with other people where even when a certain sin may be something that no longer enslaves me because I am free in Christ and is something that you know, I've put away, the temptation to go back to it doesn't really ever leave. There's always that pull and it's a thorn in our side where we just want to continuously go back to it. And when you're a believer and you have that temptation come in and you have that thing where, I mean, you despise it because you want to be like God, you want to be able to honor him, and yet you have this thing that's just a thorn just poking you and you're like, God, why can I not just put it completely aside? Why does it keep popping in my head? Why does this keep tempting me? 
But we see even Paul struggled with something like that. And it's because our will will always call her a judgment and it will call her the way that we look at the world. In James 4, 2 and 3, it says, you desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. James is talking to believers. He's talking to Christians, those who have already submitted their life to Christ. And he says that we're still asking wrongly because our passions, the thorns in our side, the things within our life that we continuously struggle with are taking our judgment and skewing it because our mind isn't like the mind of God. And so we continuously, to ask, we, we ask wrongly continuously. And I've caught myself in this so many times and when I reflect on even the circumstance with, uh, with my friend's mom, that prayer itself is a good prayer, asking God to heal a friend's mom. But looking back at it, I can remember very distinctly that my motivation was to make my friend feel better, to, I mean, kind of get rid of the awkwardness you know, of having someone very ill that we're close with. And then I do remember so clearly when I was driving to and from the hospital with my mom, I remember thinking, if this happens, then I'll be like those people in the Bible. God will have healed somebody through me. Even as a kid, that's where my mind went. Our motivation is too often centered on ourselves. And so the prayer wasn't bad. And I'm not saying that God didn't heal her because I had that motivation. God could have healed her despite of that. But I do remember that my own motivation, my own heart was centered on myself and not centered on God. My intention was not the glory of God. And so even though the prayer itself was not bad, when we begin to assume the will of God, what we're doing is really imposing our own will on God. And that really never works out. And so what we see through the intercession of the Holy Spirit is that the, inter- that the Holy Spirit understands our hearts and minds. We have that disconnect, but the Holy Spirit does understand us. And so the Holy Spirit is able to begin to bridge the gap between the way that we think and the way that God thinks. He bridges the gap between the supreme holiness of the Father and the confused depravity of man. And that's something that we can't do on our own. It's not possible for us to begin to even have an inkling of what God intends and what his plan may be. And yet when we open ourselves up to the Holy Spirit and we have the Holy Spirit interceding for us through our prayers, we are able to start to see the bigger picture. We're able to start having a closer relationship with him, which in turn brings us closer and closer to submitting ourselves to him in all things, in all prayers and and everything that we do. And I'm so thankful for that because the pressure is kind of off. I can submit myself to the Holy Spirit. I can submit myself to God and he is going to help shape my prayers. He's going to help lead me in the way that will bring me closer to him because it's not something I can do on my own and having that understanding frees you. 
And then we see that God will respond with compassion and patience and transformation of your heart as you deal with these things, as you continuously strive to have a closer relationship with him. The second thing that we see that intercession does for us is it rouses a desire to actually know him more. Once again, we have a disconnect in our minds where why would we desire to know more of God? Because he's so foreign to us. Not only that, his will, the things that he loves, the things that he desires are not the things that we naturally desire. I mean, you can just think before you were a believer, the things that you pursued, the things that you wanted are so dramatically different than the things that you want when you submit yourself to Christ. God is doing a transformation in your heart constantly. And that transformation gives us a renewed way of thinking about the world and gives us a desire to actually want to be in relationship with God, which before we never do. It's the Holy Spirit's intercession that gives us that desire. In uh, chapter eight, Romans eight, we see that he uses the word that uh, he is able to intercede through groanings deeper than words. The word groanings in this passage is only used twice in scripture. The other time it's used is in Acts 7, when it says in Acts 7, 34, I've surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and I've heard their groaning, and I've come down to deliver them. So in Romans 8, we see that the Holy Spirit is interceding with groanings deeper than words in a way that reflects when we are in slavery, physical slavery, when the people of Israel were enslaved by Egypt. And the anguish, the suffering, every emotion that they went through in that time, God plucked them out of it and delivered them from that. In the same way, we're seeing that the Holy Spirit is interceding for us, interceding for us now in our prayers with that same deep emotion because he knows that his intercession is what is plucking us out of the slavery that we experienced before Jesus Christ. We are enslaved by sin and we are enslaved by our own way of thinking. We're enslaved by our sinful nature, our weakness. And so he intercedes for us and he is plucking out us out of that while experiencing the emotion and the anguish and the suffering that we also experience. He's a God that understands us. Even though we are, our minds are so different from each other, he's a God who understands us because of the intercession of the Holy Spirit. He knows us and he mourns with us and he also celebrates with us. And the result of all of that is that our hearts are roused to a greater understanding and desire for him. And that kind of yearning for a relationship with God is just not, it's not possible without the Holy Spirit. We would be perfectly content sitting in our own sin. If you're honest with yourself, you know this is true. We would be perfectly content staying in our sin. And yet because of God and because of his intercession and the Holy Spirit working within our hearts and our lives, we are able to put that aside and say, no, I can say no to sin. I want to pursue God. That desire is born within the Holy Spirit indwelling within us. And so what that does is leads us to a place of worship, celebration, 
And it leads us to a place where prayer has a much deeper under has a much deeper meaning for us, and we're able to have a prayer life that reflects the will of God better. So, what does this passage teach us about prayer in the light of the Holy Spirit's intercession? It teaches us three things: that we pray with submission, we pray with desire, and we pray with confidence. So first we pray with submission. Our prayers must reflect a submission to God. Now this is not an easy thing to do. I mean everything we've talked about already has basically been we can't understand God. And so when we try to submit our prayers to him, when we're praying for things or praying for people or even just processing what's happening in our life, we're praying with that disconnect there trusting in the Holy Spirit to bridge that gap. And so submitting your prayers, submitting your prayer life to God, to his will, is going to be something that is not easy and it never really will be easy. And once again, that's okay. We have been created where we we can't understand. And so don't feel discouraged when you find yourself having a hard time understanding the will of God, or even just saying, God, I don't understand your will, and I just want to submit this to you. That's a hard prayer to have, because we, we do have things that we want. We do have things that we go through and are happening in our life, and we desperately want it to happen. Whether it's you know the healing of a loved one or a friend, whether it's uh, going through just a very hard season where anxiety is just rising within you and you just need rest, you need a break, whether it's having a loved one who just doesn't know the Lord and, and we want them to come to know him. There are so many things in our life that we pray for and we ask desperately. And it's difficult for us to submit it to Christ knowing that we don't know what the answer is. The answer may be yes, and it may be no, and it may be not yet. And hearing a no or a not yet is very, very hard. And it's something that no matter how long you've been following Christ, whether it's been a day or 50 years, it's not easy, and it won't be. Yet we need to live a life, a prayer life, where we are submitting these circumstances to God. And so there's this natural, I guess, response to this, where then it kind of comes to, okay, why should I even pray? Do my prayers actually make a difference? If God's going to do what he's going to do, despite of what I say, which is kind of, you know, a common reaction to something like this, to this passage, then why should I pray? What's the point of it? The thing that I would say to that is that God chooses to fulfill his will through the prayers of his people. The thing I immediately think about is evangelism. We know that God pursues people and he brings them to himself. And so the question that people have about evangelism is kind of the same thing. Why should I evangelize if God is going to bring those that he wants to himself? And the answer is that he chooses to use the church 
to bring the gospel to the world. He chooses to impart grace upon the world through the church. In the exact same way, he chooses to fulfill his will through his people, through my prayers, through your prayers. They are important to God. They are the means of grace that he chooses to use. And so the answer is, yeah, we should pray. And we should pray for all the things we want. We should pray for all the things that we desire. Pray for all the things that we're struggling with. Pray for other people. We should pray for all of that. The question isn't, should I pray? I would challenge you to ask the question, who's the focus of my prayer instead? Are you the focus of the prayer? Maybe even other people are the focus of your prayers. Or is the focus of your prayer God? Who's the hero of your story? Is God the one that you're focused on? Is he the one that you are seeking to glorify? The one that you're trying to honor? And so when you pray, ask that question. Who's the focus of this prayer? And we'll find that when we begin to have the ability to focus more and more on God and start changing the way that we think and our mind is transformed and renewed daily, we find that we are able to then pray with more desire for him. Not only a desire for God, but a desire for his will to actually happen. Because like I said earlier, it's difficult for us to think about uh, his will of God, uh, the will of God happening above our will because we do want things. And that's so difficult for us. But as we find ourselves submitting intentionally more and more, then we're able to find ourselves starting to not only be okay with it, but actually desiring it. Because our relationship is growing deeper with God, which means our trust for him is growing. And we understand that we obtain freedom by submitting to his will. Freedom to pray for everything and all things on our minds. Freedom to be able to even come to him and say, I don't get it. Why are you doing this? We have the freedom to do that because we can understand that the Holy Spirit's intercession is bridging a gap between the Father and us. And so we are able to have complete freedom in our prayers. It doesn't restrict us. It doesn't say that you can't do this or you can't pray for this. Rather, it tells us that we can pray for all things if we are pursuing God above all else. And it takes your prayer life and it makes it something amazing where it's not this duty you have to do. It's not this uh, you know, prayer that you have to say at a certain time, but rather it's real communication with God, the creator of the universe, our savior, who through the Holy Spirit is giving us an avenue to actually talk to him. It's amazing. It's something we shouldn't take for granted, and yet we often do because we're so focused on our own will rather than the will of the Father. And so when we begin to pray with more desire for him, we begin to have freedom in our prayers. We're able to open ourselves up to him more, and then we have complete fulfillment in our prayers. Our purpose in this life is, is just one thing, to bring glory to God. 
And when we are praying with a desire for his will to be achieved, then we are fulfilling our purpose. Our prayer life begins to fulfill us because we're doing exactly what we're supposed to do. We're, we're honoring and bringing glory to God. Whether we really understand or see the whole picture or even in our confusion, in our grief, in our celebration, we begin to glorify him because we are submitting ourselves to him and we have a desire to see his will happen regardless of our own stake in the circumstance. And all of that will lead us to actually pray with confidence. We can pray with confidence because we begin to understand that even if it doesn't make sense to us, we know that God's will is going to be done. Even if we never see the method that he's using, we never understand the journey to it, we know without a doubt that God's glory is going to be the end result. And the truth is, we oftentimes won't. We won't know what the journey looks like. We won't know the methodology behind it. And it is frustrating. But we have the freedom to bring that frustration to him. I don't know why my friend's mom didn't get healed that day. I still don't know, and I mean, I don't completely understand why that, why that happened. And I still grieve for my friend. I mean, losing your mother that young affects you for a very long time, for the rest of your life. And so I still grieve with him and for him. But there's a difference between myself on that day, which led me to a place of denial of God and a place of doubt and anger. There's a difference between myself then and myself today. And I can tie it in with a more present circumstance in my life. As some of you know, my wife and I are trying to start our family through adoption. And this has been a process that we've been doing for a while. Um, and we've had great victory and, we, and we've had heartache. I mean, we're licensed and that was an amazing day to be able to get our license because we're doing foster to adopt. And so for a while now, it's been nothing but just waiting. Submitting our portfolio for a group of kids and, and then not hearing a thing for weeks and months. And, and the process itself is very, very difficult. But in the midst of this, one thing definitely does not change. And that's that I pray constantly for my children. I'm praying that God will bring them into our home. I'm praying that they are safe even now, knowing kind of what they may be going through. I pray that, that God will bring us together. And that is something that I fervently pray for with the understanding that we may never get kids. I don't know that for sure. And that's very difficult. That's a, that's a hard thing for me to say. It's a hard thing for me to admit or think about. And it's something that I struggle with constantly in my prayers. But when I am able to reflect on the Holy Spirit 
and the intercession that he has done for me and through me, I am able to pray for all of that by one, submitting the whole thing to him. I'm able to say, God, whatever is happening, no matter what ends up happening in this circumstance, your will above mine. I am able to submit it to him which gives me a desire to continue to pray with him because I do have freedom to be able to express myself. I have freedom to be able to say, God, I don't get why we don't have kids yet. I don't understand why we can't have a family. I'm able to, I'm able, <laughs> I'm able to pray that, man, God, I, I love those kids already and I may never see them the freedom I have because of the relationship with God that the Holy Spirit enables me to have, that gives me a greater prayer life than I can ever imagine. The stuff that this passage talks about is very real in all of our lives. And because of that, I also have fulfillment in my relationship with God. I don't need kids to be fulfilled because my purpose is to glorify him and I will do that in the pursuit of my family and I will even do that if I don't ever have children. And I am able to pray with complete confidence that the Lord's will will be done no matter what happens. This is something that's not exclusive to me or to this circumstance in my life. This is something that we all have access to because as a believer, the Holy Spirit is working within you. The Holy Spirit is doing an amazing thing in your heart where you're being transformed and renewed daily so that you can also submit everything in your life to him and you can pray for it. You can come to the Father and desperately ask, but also desperately submit yourself to him. And so I, I worship him more. I celebrate the wins we do have, and I grieve with him. And so there is a difference between myself when I was younger, praying for my friend's mom, and myself today, going through this. And it's twofold. The difference is that I know that God is good and I trust him completely. And that will change everything in your life. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for who you are. You are so good to me. You are so good to all of us. I love you. I want to pursue you desperately. And I ask that right now that every person in this room, every single person in these seats is able to grow in their relationship with you so that they can uh, desperately want to pursue you as well, that there is something greater than themselves, that they can submit everything in their life to you. God, you are just so wonderful. And my relationship with you is the greatest thing in my life. And I know it's the greatest thing in the life of every believer, and so I ask that we are able to reflect that truth through our actions and through our prayers. God, I praise you in all things. And I ask that we are able to just worship you even more throughout the rest of today. 
And in that same vein, we're going into a time of giving. And I ask that we are able to worship you in the midst of that. That we're able to submit our wallets to you and submit our financial situations, all the anxiety and concerns that come with that. And just trust you that when we live in obedience to you and to your word, that you're going to take care of us. Even if it's not the way we think because of our disconnect with your mind, and yet we know that we can trust you. So in all things, we thank you and we praise you. Amen.